Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Self Help Witch. It's Dana, and I am coming at you here in the middle of January with Mars Direct, with Mercury Direct, and with Uranus about to be direct. And to me, what that means is we are ready to move forward. We talked a lot about in the January forecast I did with Lynette from Cosmic Moves about how this January 1st in particular was not it for any goal or plan. With three planets retrograde, like it maybe wouldn't have been the easiest time to do that. But we are moving into a space and an energy where the kind of cosmic environment is going to support us a little more in that. So that is why today we are talking with Brittany Taylor about embodying a new identity and how to use embodiment as a practice to be the person you want to be. Embodiment is really just about action. It's about knowing what you want and then doing it. And when we have so many planets retrograde, it can be hard to know what you want. God, especially with Mars retrograde. I talked with Lynette in the last episode about this, but it just felt confusing. It felt very confusing when Mars was retrograde. And it might have been worse for me because Mars is in my ninth house of long-term plans and things like that. But it felt very much like moving through fog. And so now we're in a place where we want to be able to embody the goals, the aspirations, the personas, the anything that we are moving toward in 2023. So it's a very exciting conversation. And I want to kind of preface it with the idea of the word of the year. Now, Brittany actually kind of reminded me of this concept because I signed up for her newsletter. She had a really cool challenge on pleasure. Pleasure was her word of the year in a previous year. And she talked all about what pleasure is to her and kind of how embodying that word for the year played out for her. And it made me think, I want to have my words of the year, <laughs> plural, because hello, Gemini, Moon, Mars, and Jupiter, like, don't make me be concise. <laughs> Pisces, Cellium, don't make me be concise. So I've been allowing this retrograde season to be a moment of picking some words and then seeing how they feel. And I may still change my mind after Mercury goes direct, who knows, but as of right now, I've got three words for the year. I want to share them with you. But before I do that, if you're like, what the hell are you even talking about? This idea of the word of the year is that you have these like anchor concepts and feelings that you really want to bring to everything you're doing. And it's a really helpful way to strive for a certain energy without limiting yourself to like a maybe superficial goal of some kind. For example, let's say you did want to lose weight for this year. Cause it's like, okay, that's, that's a goal some people have and that's totally fine. But losing weight as a goal is pretty superficial and it doesn't really get at like the deeper meaning of what that means for you, right? So maybe it's about wellness. And that's your word for the year. Or maybe it's about feeling good in your body. And so it's about vitality, right? And that's so much more profound to me than, than like 
I want to lose weight or something like that. That just came to me because it's, it's like such a common stereotypical New Year's resolution. So for me, my words of the year, I picked three, as I said, they are security, revelry, and expansion. Security is the one I'm still kind of stuck on because it's, I'll tell you like kind of what it's about. It's about being grounded. It's about feeling stable. If you've ever read The Hobbit, like feeling how you'd feel in your Hobbit hole, that's how, that's what I'm getting at with security. I've got everything I need. It's all right here. It's sort of, to me, like the opposite of scarcity. I'm trying to get to a place this year where in my mind, I know that I am safe and secure. I'm good because I am there, but there's still a part of me that's like, oh God, we've got to scramble. We've got to figure out the next thing. And so I'm really trying to get out of that mentality and into a secure place. So Right now, security is the best word I can think of that kind of encompasses that. So it's secure, not guarded, right? It's secure, not scared. And that's my first word. My second word is revelry because I want to fucking enjoy myself this year. And to me, you know, security and revelry, they might seem really opposite, but they're actually, they, they have a common ground. And to me, that common ground is being very present in the moment. So if I'm secure, I'm not worried about what's going to happen next because I'm safe right now. And if I'm able to revel, it's because I'm in the moment. It's because I can enjoy what's happening right now. You can't experience revelry if you're future thinking or if you're ruminating on something that's already happened. So because I'm secure, I can revel in this moment. And then finally, my third word is expansion. And I really do feel like these words kind of build on each other now that we're talking about it. I think it's really hard or perhaps even impossible to expand and to grow and to, to move to new places in your life when you don't feel secure. Because you're constantly in this place of trying to feel safe. So it's like you're on the bottom level of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. and Like you can't self-actualize if you don't feel safe, right? So it's like that. I want to feel safe enough in my surroundings and my environment and in myself and secure enough in those things so that I can revel in this moment, so that I can expand into the next version of who I'm becoming and what I have to share with people and offer this world. I share this with you because I think that this is a really fantastic exercise if you are like, yeah, I'd like to embody a new identity. What does that look like for me? And then you can kind of ground it in this word or words of the year. Now, a few things to say about embodying a new identity and what we're getting into in this episode. Brittany and I separate two different reasons you might want to embody a new identity. First of all, you might just want to, right? You might sense that you want to move into a different direction. Maybe you want to change your aesthetic and it's something as simple as that. Or maybe it's a little deeper than that and you're experimenting with sobriety, for example, which is something we talk about in the episode. Um, now, it could also be that you are forced or pushed into embodying a new identity. Like you get married and you become a wife or a husband or a partner. 
or you are having a baby and you're becoming a parent. Like there are lots of other reasons to life circumstances that force you to embody a new identity. And that requires a different shift because there might be some resistance there. By the way, speaking of that, I wasn't going to talk about this, but if there are any new parents out there, specifically if you are a mother, I just bought this book called Motherhood by Lisa, I think, Marciano or Marciano. I'm not positive how to say her last name. She's a Jungian analyst and she it's very much like women who run with the wolves which is a book that has a collection of folk tales meant to awaken women into what the author calls their wild nature so meant to help you restore your sense of self really as a woman um this book motherhood is like that but for mothers and i'm really enjoying it i am on chapter two right now but Marciano or Marciano, I'll figure out how to say her name eventually. She does a really great job expressing the shift in identity that new moms go through and kind of helping you prepare for what that's going to be like and what that can bring up. Because one thing is when you have to embody a new identity, you're kind of like thrust into a situation where a lot gets brought up, right? There's, there's a lot that can, that can dredge up that maybe we're not prepared for. And that can cause us to be resentful or angry or depressed if we don't have a means of coping with it. So if you find yourself in that space, I highly recommend this book, Motherhood, and I'll link it in the show notes. But aside from that, Brittany is going to give some incredible advice for, in either circumstance, how to embody a new identity and how to find flow and fun in that, regardless of if it's something you wanted or not. So I've got all of Brittany's details in the show notes if you want to find her and work with her. She's so much fun to talk to, and she's got a lot of really, really cool offerings. So be sure to check her out. If you are curious about Self-Help Witch, you can find me on Instagram at Self-Help Witch. My website is selfhelpwitch.com. I have my transit translator course that teaches you how to write your own horoscopes, as well as the Cosmic Witch 2023 Astrology Almanac, which is a badass astrology calendar and wellness journal. You can check those out on my website. So without further ado, let's get into the episode with Brittany Taylor about embodying a new identity. All right, y'all, I'm here with Brittany, and she is a multi-passionate embodiment, tarot, photography, human, and I'm going to let her kind of tell us more about that. Hey, everyone. First off, thank you so much for having me. I love when people are like, okay, Brittany, tell us what you do. And I'm like, okay, settle in, y'all. <laughs> it's a long list. So let's start. So I'm Brittany Taylor. I am a branding and lifestyle photographer. I am a embodiment coach, yoga instructor, tarot reader, podcaster, content creator, whatever you need me to be, I will be that for you is technically what I do. I'm pretty good at a lot of things, which is seems to be a blessing and a curse mm. because people are are like, hey, can you do this? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Should I? No. I'm, I'm going to do it for you. So I do a lot of things. That's my title. Brittany, she does a lot of things. 
I love that though. I'm the same way. And it's, I think like when you are into a lot of things, you end up saying yes, because you're like, I might like that, you know, and then you find out what you like based on trying new things. So it sounds like you've kind of found your way into all these things just by like saying yes. Yes, actually. That's how I became a yoga instructor. I was taking Bikram classes at the studio near where I live. And a year in, they had a guest instructor and they were announcing that they were doing a Bikram teacher training the following year. And the studio owner said, hey, Brittany, you would be a great teacher. You should do it. And I was like, yeah, okay. Never once thought to be a teacher. Yeah. Never once. But hey, it worked out clearly because... I'm guessing, and this is kind of like the road we're going down today, talking about embodiment and identity shifting. Like, I'm guessing yoga was the like entry drug into embodiment for you. It was, it really was because the, as I took yoga and then became a teacher, I realized how disconnected we are with our bodies. So that was the first that was the first recognition for me because it reminded me of all my years in photography. Like when I would ask a client, move your right arm. And they will look down like, I have arms? What are <laughs> arms? And you would say something simple like, okay, lift your chin up. Chin would go down. Look at me. They look away. And it's just like a puppet that lost control of itself. It's very weird. I'm thinking haunted puppets. I watch a lot of scary content online so forgive me if i just go that direction at some point <laughs> but it's just it's so weird like you're they're trying so hard to like like listen to what you're saying but they're so disconnected with their bodies mm -hmm. because typically they walk in with a already a negativity bias towards themselves mm -hmm. i could not tell you how many times i've heard immediately Oh, just Photoshop me to look like this. Don't photograph my stomach. Don't get my double chins. The laundry list of just all the things that are allegedly wrong with them. And let's just flat out say photography, or let me just say photographers are low-key therapists, especially oh. wedding photographers. <laughs> That's a whole other beast. But there's so much of the process, just letting a client know that you don't have to say that stuff. I know it's not making you feel good about yourself. It's not making me feel good. It's setting the tone of there's something wrong with me when we're in a moment of celebrating you mm. and taking photos of you. Even if it's branding photos, the majority of my clients are female small business owners. They are the face of the brand. And they're already coming into this situation like, I don't want to be seen. I don't like how I look. I want to change everything about how I look. That says a lot about how they may be showing up in their business. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of inner work that has to happen when showing up in front of a camera. And the same thing, I was seeing that in the yoga studio where people were just afraid to move more or go, not go beyond their limits, but like really just try and let their body flow with it and have fun. Like I would always just pretend that I was a ballerina if I was in a class that was especially hard. I'm like, screw it, I'm just gonna go for it and just 
let the body move and flow around and have fun with it. But there's such like, there was such stuckness happening. And then I started to see it happening more when I introduced tarot into my business, which was in the beginning of the pandemic. So in April, 2020 is when I started doing it professionally, all virtual, and I was getting clients from all over the place. And there was still the common thread of disconnection with their intuition, their soul, them wanting to do more, but being scared to do it or having limitations set on themselves, which then led to me coaching because I realized, okay, I'm coaching in photography. I'm coaching in yoga and I'm coaching while I'm doing tarot. So it's like, okay, this needs it to be its own entity as well. Mm -hmm. And that led me to, I'm here to help you reconnect with your mind, body, and soul. Like it's still there. We just have a lot of stuff in the way. A lot of it is probably society-based, something you learned from your family or friends, just people around you. There's a lot of stuff in the way, and I'm here to help you clear it out to get to what's already there. Like there's nothing that needs to be fixed. We just have some decluttering to do. There's a lot in the way. So I'm here to help you get through that so you can feel like the person that you've always meant to be. That's really powerful. I have so many thoughts. First of all, you're like the Marie Kondo for holistic wellness. Anything that doesn't spark joy has got to go. But this idea of embodiment, I think there's a perception and maybe it's like not stated explicitly, but in the wellness communities, there's this perception that your spiritual or emotional wellness is kind of separate from your physical wellness and not in like the exercise sense, but in this embodiment sense that we're talking about. Like when you were talking about your yoga students who like are disconnected from their actual movements or your photography clients who don't want to be seen, but yet they're paying you to take photos of them. There's this, I think you're, what you're saying without saying it is like, the first step is to be able to be in your body. Like the first step to wellness yes. is physical embodiment. Exactly. Thousand percent correct. I remember it, my very first paying virtual tarot clients was my friend, Elizabeth and her daughters. And they're, the daughters are in their early 20s. And first off, that was a really interesting experience doing tarot for three people at the same time. Yeah, I thought they were going to be separate, but we did at the same time. But after that, that summer, we were sitting on their porch and one of the daughters asked me, like, how you doing? So it's like June 2020, like, you know, we're struggling. And I was <laughs> like, you know what? My container is fine. Everything outside my container is a big old mess, but my container is fine. So some people call their bodies a temple or this vessel we walk in, this meetsu, whatever you want to call it. I was like, my container, everything that holds what makes me me is, is okay. I'm good. I'm feeling good in myself. Can't really say that for a lot of other people because we are putting so much into our containers. And I really love so much that you said I was the Marie Kondo of this wellness <laughs> space because... First off, I love mess. I do. Yeah. I love mess. I love to declutter, period. I love her. And I never even made that connection. So thank you so much for that. I feel 
this is going to carry me into 2023. I love that so much. That's your archetype. Like that is. It is. I love it. You have no idea how excited I am about that. Okay. So back to my point though. We take on so many ideas, beliefs, assumptions from other people and society directly said to us or unsaid stuff that we inferred and we just suck it all in and it just lives inside of us. And there's not enough recognition of this isn't you. This isn't your thought. You didn't want this, but you took this in anyway. And a lot of the time it is, you don't know that it's happening, especially stuff you've heard your parents say while you were a child. How many times the example of, oh, my mother says, oh, I look like this. I look bad. I'm ugly. And then you carry that with you as child and now you're an adult and the same thoughts of floating through your head but you don't realize it i'm lucky enough to be in a community where we love to reflect <laughs> we love to work on ourselves but a lot of people don't have that opportunity so it's very easy to not realize you are carrying around so much stuff that just isn't yours and you want it gone all of these things are connected. The way you talk to yourself is part of your embodiment. It, it can affect your ability to be embodied. And mm -hmm. I think when we think about that word embodiment, we just think physical, mm -hmm. but it, it is everything that's happening within you because those things are obstacles to your mm -hmm. ability to be embodied. Why would you want to be embodied in a container that you're constantly saying shitty things about? Yeah. It's stunning, actually, sometimes when you really like think about it, it's like, it's kind of obvious, but that's the problem. It's the obvious stuff that no one works on. We kind of like focus in on this like little random nuance or something. And it's like, well, sure. But how about let's take a step back to the core of the issue is you just got a lot of shit you, you need to get rid of. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's like hyper fixation on this one thing that you want to work on. And it's like, yeah, that's cool. But like, how about we just take the trash out that's been piling up? Yeah. Like, that's really obvious. Instead of like this one drawer, I need to get the exact box and containers at the container store to like organize everything. It's like, how about you just like get rid of all that shit and pile like in the corner or just donate all that clothing? Like, just get rid of it. You know, it's not serving you anymore. So early today as I was showering, because the best thoughts always happen in the shower. I was thinking about brand versus identity. And we all have a brand, even if you're not trying to be public facing, it's like, oh, you go to the store, like, oh, that's the old guy that always who's cranky and hangs out at the store. Or that's a really sweet girl that works at the cafe. So everyone has this brand that we put upon people and people put brands upon us. And sometimes we end up living into this idea that people have of us, even though we don't identify with that brand. Mm -hmm. So I, at one point had the brand of, and let's be honest, I still do have the brand of Brittany's going to tell you like it is tough love. She's sarcastic. She's dry. <laughs> you know, she's going to tell you like it is. And I'm like, yes. And I'm also soft and goofy and ridiculous and an idiot sometimes but it feels like 
idiot in the best way possible, but it's just like, I didn't feel like I could be that person publicly because it was going against the brand mm -hmm. that was set out there for me. That also probably a brand of my own making too, but sometimes it gets out of control and you want to live into, like my identity is I'm Brittany, I'm soft and I'm tough and I'm funny and I'm intellectual and I'm goofy and like I'm all of these things. And when I allow myself to be more of the side that people don't really get to see, I would get pushback. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you're acting weird. Like, I'm like, no, I'm just like having fun. It's like, oh, and so that doesn't really feel good when people are questioning you when you finally let that lighter side out, at least for me, it's not a really good feeling. As I was preparing for this podcast, uh, situation that happened seven years ago. So that tells you this stuff stays with you. We were at an event and a bunch of friends and I were taking a photo in the photo booth and my best friend, like we're all just smiling. My best friend sees my face and she's like, oh, and there's Brittany with her bitch face. And I'm like, like, I can't even just like smile. I'm like that's my face. Like, it just doesn't feel good when you're like, you're just trying to be yourself and have a good time. And someone's gonna talk shit about it or question it and it's like why are you doing this and it's like I can see why people just stay in that container that they're just used to because it's like it feels scary to try to change your identity or make that identity shift you're making me think about this idea of like we'll just take out the trash I think it's hard for people to do that because they are so tuned in to what other people think about them. You know, like, how do I take out the trash when I believe like the trash is me? <laughs> mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm stuck in somebody else's perception of me. It can be really, really challenging. Um, and I think that's the power of embodiment too, because if you're able to kind of disconnect from that and just be, it's almost like having strong boundaries, right? Like if, this is going to sound weird. I'm probably going to edit this. <laughs> okay. Now like, I'm ready for it. Yeah. I don't know. It's like your body is a physical boundary, but mm -hmm. you can also take that as like a, an energetic boundary too of like, mm -hmm. that's coming from ex an external mm -hmm. place. It's not mine. Mm -hmm. um, you think that I have a resting bitch face. I get that all the time too, by the way. I, it's so annoying. Like, why did you need to say that? Yeah. Like, but like just don't say that <laughs> what do i do with this information thank you <laughs> yeah like i'll try to look less bitchy i guess i don't know what you want me to do but when you get that information if you're if you're truly embodied and it's a constant practice it's a constant coming back to it it's easier to deflect and we're all human and we're all gonna mm -hmm. it's hard not to take things like that personally and i think mm -hmm. it's only human to mm -hmm. hear that and be like what the fuck but mm -hmm. but if you can come back to who am I? What is my identity? You're branding mm -hmm. me this way, but mm -hmm. I know what my brand is and I know what my identity is. Mm -hmm. A thousand percent. Yeah. It's so hard. And even me, I'll have my moments, like, especially like a friend or my husband say that one sentence at that one moment. And I'm like, oh, tears, like it happens to the best of us, but it's, how do you respond? How much will you 
now take that in. A big part of what I do with clients is, okay, this it's two steps to how I work with my clients is number one is how to get you on board with the identity that you want. And step two is how to get everyone else on board with the identity that you want. Because it's one thing when you're like, yeah, I'm this, I'm right, I'm doing it, I'm feeling good. And then someone says that one sentence and we're right back to square one. So it's like, how do we respond? We're going to have people throwing their wants and needs and assumptions at us all the time. So we have to like set that aside for a second and just let people talk, especially when we're in this process of trying to figure out what our identity is to make that identity shift. And the thing I like about it is it's a shift. Mm -hmm. It's not a full on destruction. You can do that. My favorite tarot card is the tower. Mm -hmm. which scares a lot of people, but I love it. I'm a Scorpio rising mm. and I'm like, let me destroy myself to build myself back up again. I find that fun. A lot of other people do not. I respect that. <laughs> I totally do. So what we're doing is we're just making shifts. And the first thing I will tell anyone to do is look at the parts of you that feel are getting stifled. Look at the parts of you that you want to express more, but for some reason, just it's just not allowed. Maybe it's the community that you're in or your family or your job or just some expectation that happened along the way. Or I love this term, like weird assumptions instead of limiting beliefs, because that's really mm -hmm. kind of what it is. It's just like some weird thing that happened along the way and you just like believed in. It, it's like, but why though and so i just call them weird assumptions because like we have so many put upon ourselves probably from ourselves and this is the point of the process where we tend to start getting mad at ourselves mm -hmm. set that aside it's just all information this let's just use non-attachment here on this process we're just looking at all of this as data. It's like, okay, this part of me is being stifled. Why is it being stifled? I feel like my friends would think of me as weird if I start doing this. Okay, why? And just keep asking why and break down where this feeling came from. Now we can then go about how do we make the shift into feeling like how I actually want to feel. Sometimes the identity shift could be as small as like, you just want to dress differently. It doesn't have to be this big grand thing of, I want a personality change or I need to run away and like start all over. It doesn't have to be that big of a thing. It's just like, what would make you feel better in your container? in your mind, body, and soul. What are those things that are being stifled? So maybe it is like, okay, I want to dress a bit more funky, but I feel like people are going to look at me weird or my partner's going to be like, well, what is this? Or your friends are going to feel some type of way. It's like, okay. Are those assumptions really coming from them? Or is this coming from you? Because the thing is, if you feel like you're being judged, there's a really good chance that you judged yourself for it first. Mm -hmm. 
how many times have we talked ourselves out of something because we are afraid of someone's reaction? And then when you finally work up the courage to do the thing, no one gives a shit. That's the part. And I've seen that a lot with clients and I have to like kind of cut them off before they fully go there is the moment when we realize, oh, we could have been doing this. And then they get mad at themselves. I'm like, mm, doesn't matter. There's no going back. I would love to go back in time. When people say they have no regrets, fuck that. I have regrets. Right. Oh, so many regrets. Oh, my 30s, 20s. Oh, so many regrets. But it's information. It's all lessons that I could take along with me. It's like, okay, maybe this is happening right now because this is the moment where I could handle it. Right. I needed to have these regrets in order to know, to have the courage and mm -hmm. to like, to have had enough of that mm -hmm. and to do something different. Yeah. I, I've been listening to a lot of Abraham Hicks lately, which is surprising. You know about Abraham Hicks? I know that name. I've never yes. really like dove into the work or anything. Okay. So it, it, I will say, so there's this woman named Esther Hicks. Basically she's an old white woman where these voices, collective voices called Abraham speak through her. Now, um, Abraham Hicks has gone through identity shift lately, which I've noticed, which I'm pretty, I'm feeling right now because Abraham Hicks is known for law of attraction and not mm. the show up for the universe. The universe is going to show up for you. Law of attraction It's just like, think happy thoughts and things will come to you. Very problematic back in yeah. the day. They had some issues. She's had some issues, but lately something just happened and a video popped up on my YouTube and I watched it and I saw their identity shift going into more of, I'm going to help you back it up a little bit. Let's get to the root cause of like, okay, you want more money or you want to quit your job. Or you just want to be free, but why, but why, but why it's getting us back down to like feeling good where you are right now and mm -hmm. not like, yeah, sure. Good things will come to you, but like, let's, let's back it up a bit, a little bit. What is making you feel like you're not good right now? And how can we get you feeling good right now? That sounds like the definition of embodiment to me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm really excited that Abraham Hicks just showed up in my life again, because it really reminded me of we're in control here. We have the choice to decide how we want to approach living on this earth. And that comes from how we treat ourselves first. We've all heard, like, you wouldn't talk to your best friend that way. Why do you talk to yourself that way? But, like, seriously, though, but, like, why do we, though? What makes us so special <laughs> that we get to be the one that's so, like, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not worthy of change. I'm not worthy of growth. Where did this come from? So I ask everyone to just scale it back. What feels good for you right now? That's what we're trying to embody here and make those shifts along the way that will clear out what's not serving us. And so we have the space to bring in 
what we actually want. And it's just like a habit formation. Really, it's like we could do one thing at a time. It doesn't have to be this, again, this big grand thing of like, I'm just like, new year, new me. I'm going to be a brand new bitch. I love that, actually. I'm like, go ahead, be a brand new bitch. I'm, I'm going to be one too. But like, what are just the things that don't feel good for you right now? And how can we make intentional aligned choices to get yourself to where you actually want to go? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're nailing something really important, I think, which is that like embodiment is really like a present moment awareness practice. Like that's mm. really what it is. It's about knowing what's happening right now so that you can calibrate to a frequency in the moment that feels like who you want to be. And if you're constantly in this place of like, I don't like this, I want to be there. You're never going to get there because you don't know what's wrong right now. Yes, a thousand percent. Self-awareness is scary for people. The culture that we live in is not set up for us to be self-aware. Mm -hmm. It wants us questioning ourselves, especially if you exist in a body that's not a cis white straight man. It capitalizes on you not liking yourself yes and the systems work very hard to drag you further and further away of you living into what feels good for you because if you feel good about yourself you're not going to be buying a lot of things truly <laughs> You may be investing your energy and time and money and stuff that will just enhance your experience. They want us feeling bad about ourselves. So when we feel like we're being a little too self-aware, it tends to go into the moments of, I suck, I suck, I suck. I have to fix, I must fix, I must fix. And not just like, I would love for people to understand that self-awareness is just information. Yeah. And just- and not you don't need to make it a an assessment of your character because they can right. change. You can change it right now. Yeah, exactly. There's been so many times that I would tell a client, I'm like, you know, if this sucks, you could just like stop right now. And then we just like stare at each other for a while. Because their <laughs> mind is blown. Like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, seriously. And that's the thing is, it all goes back to habit formation too. Maybe it's because I just finished rereading Atomic Habits again, but like how some people could just quit a habit immediately and other ones take some time because the whole thing, especially what James Clear says in the book, it's the identity of it. So I'll use myself as an example. My birthday was April 15th this year. And on that night, I also got engaged that day. So there was a lot of celebrating to do. And I was sitting at my local bookstore slash bar and someone got me a Prosecco and I drank it and then someone handed me another one and I took one sip and I was like I'm done drinking and I haven't had a drink since and I never identified really as a drinker I never had a drinking problem it, I could go forever without drinking I hated feeling drunk even the level above buzz I didn't like so I, it wasn't like a thing that I was like really wrestling with but I was like no I'm good and I've been good since it's like, it doesn't even 
to me, if someone hand me a drink, I'll be like, well, what am I doing with this? Like, I, this isn't for me. Like, so sometimes it can be very quick to just make the identity shift. Like, mm, I, I'm just, I'm not a drinker. So I don't drink, I don't drink. But that process could be harder for someone else who could be in the same shoes that I am, but have a hard time with wrestling with, well, I don't want to drink anymore, but it's not that big of an issue for me. So they wrestle with it more. And it's just like, it goes back to like, really, what's the identity you, you want to have? And what shifts can you make to get there? Actually, when we connected and you were like identity shifting, I was really intrigued because that was a huge process for me when I stopped drinking. And okay. so this was in 2019 when I stopped, but it was really challenging for me because it was a huge part of my identity mm. and it was a huge part of my family identity the way my family mm. sees me. So it kind of is touching on all the things we've already talked wow. about. Like this idea of other people see you this way and how are you going to deal with that when you no longer want to be that, yeah. that thing. And it's still, like it's still coming up. I mean, yeah. I'm okay with it. Like I feel good about it. But when I'm in family situations, inevitably it gets brought mm. up. You judge us because we do this. And it goes back Ooh. to what you were saying about these assumptions. Like, yeah, that I, what am I doing to indicate that I'm judging you? Right. Other than not drinking. Like, that's all right. I, right. Like, um, I'm not thinking about you while I'm not drinking. Like, it's not that serious. But yeah. No, you can do what you want to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. And it, we can all be okay with that. But yeah. there is something really, even when you really know what you want. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to drink anymore. When the people around you push back on that, it can be really hard. So mm. it, it takes that, that awareness that you're talking about of just like, all right, they don't like that. Can I be okay with that? Like, what's more important mm -hmm. to me, my authenticity or making them feel comfortable around me? Exactly. I'm so glad you brought that up and staying strong throughout all that. Because there is a point where you end up in those situations and you're like, really, this presses you that much? Right. That I'm like not having a drink or I don't want to do X, Y, Z anymore, or I rather do something else now. But yeah, it's true, especially when it's people close to you. It is easier to dismiss the thoughts of randos for sure but when it is family friends people you love care about or just people that are there because right. sometimes family they're just there and that's it but there are expectations out of you that they have put upon you and that we have been living into for a long time. And then when there's a moment of setting a boundary of like, nah, I'm good. I rather pursue living a dry life or I want to do X, Y, Z and people feel some type of way about it. It's always remembering that this is for you. Yeah. You are living the life that you were always meant to live. That means, yeah, cutting out all the shit that you just don't want anymore. Cutting out the assumptions and expectations and the bullshit from other people and or yourself. We're just making space for you to live in alignment with you. 
And it does feel pretty simple at the end of the day, but that's the hard part. It's like, it seems too simple. Therefore, I cannot do that. <laughs> well, how do you like, and this might sound like a stupid question too, but like, okay, so you're in the moment of like, I've made the choice to shift into this identity, this facet of my identity I'm trying to embody now. And I'm in a situation where people are resistant to it or pushing back or judging me or there's even perceived judgment, right? Mm -hmm. What do you do? Like, what can you do in those moments to mm -hmm. combat that? So I'm petty. All right. So if you want to be petty like me, I, I love to reverse the question mm. or play dumb. But why do I, why do you want me to drink? Right. That's going to be a really weird question for them to answer. So <laughs> they're going to have that moment of like, well, you always drank with us before. But I stopped. So like, why do I need to drink now? Asking why a lot, hopefully we'll get their brain turning and like, starting to process like, oh, why am I doing that? Because a lot of the time it's just like, it's just natural. This is what we're used to. So therefore, why aren't you drinking? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? So just like asking why and let them talk it out and you not have to explain. And as they're talking, either they'll just stop the conversation immediately or if they keep talking just like okay maybe like insert a little something like ask another question maybe if you find that they're feeling open towards hearing you out like maybe ask was there a moment you wanted to stop drinking and you felt like you couldn't or you wanted to like tone it down a bit or like did you have resistance when xyz so once if you feel like that's a conversation you want to have that's first off because I also just don't participate in questions <laughs> where I'm like, no, nah, I just don't do that. And that's the end of the story. But if you really feel like, okay, this is a good moment here that we can like maybe dive a little deeper, just like ask them a lot of questions. And maybe they won't have like this big breakthrough, but they might, or maybe they'll just understand you a bit more. So just like ask questions, be open to it. It could be very easy to be defensive over yourself because people are literally questioning you. So I like to just come with questions and sometimes you can be petty about it too. That wasn't very petty what I said, but depending on the person, I will be petty. Like, mm, like but what does it matter to you what yeah. I'm doing? I see you twice a year. What does it matter to you if I'm not drinking in the next the only three hours I'll see you for the next six months like what does it matter to you, you you're like re this this literally just happened to me like this exact situation <laughs> like you're reading my mind mm. but it's like that tip is so powerful because you can like sometimes people ask those questions out of genuine curiosity like they mm -hmm. haven't seen you in a while like hey are you not drinking like yeah and then you can have a dialogue about it mm -hmm. and they'll be like oh oh okay cool mm-hmm Sometimes they ask those questions, and my therapist told me this a while back when I stopped drinking. When you're not drinking around people who are, and they like maybe don't have a great relationship with alcohol, or mm -hmm. they're not clear on their relationship with alcohol, you are ruining drinking for them. You are mm. presenting a happy person who's not drinking, and that's like yes. it doesn't compute. 
So yes. they're, that's why they're bringing it up. So when you, you push it back on them, you're forcing them to confront that. Yes. And, and you can recognize that it's not about you. It's yes, exactly. Like that, that shout to your therapist. Cause that's, that's, that's real shit right there. I've also <laughs> been through that situation this year too. And you know what, actually a friendship was lost over it. Not necessarily the, it was more of like, I'm no, I'm, I'm living my good life, not drinking, but it's not an affront to you. It's not an attack on you. I'm not even thinking about you, but we can also insert anything where drinking was. So I'm recently married and I would know other married friends back in the day, like these expectations of like, I must be home with husband because I'm married. And I'm like, no, sure, bet, whatever. But like, y'all live together. You see each other, like you can still like live a life and do your things. So now as I'm a month and change into marriage, I'm still like, I'm going to live my life and do my things. And I can like already imagine like the like, but you're supposed to. I'm like, no, but why? Because that's not me. Like, I'm just going to do what feels good for me and mine. But like, you don't have to. And if you want that, you can do that. But it just takes action to do that. And maybe confronting like, okay, why have I delegated this role like oh i'm this now so therefore i must be home i must do xyz it's like no you don't have to do that like you can still live the life that you want and just because your identity did shift to oh i'm married to a person now it doesn't mean like everything about you changes into that i was thinking last night about mothers so i'm not a mom but i know people who i've watched friends have kids and then that shift like that's a huge freaking shift of your identity but then they will have the uh, i've lost my life i've i don't do anything anymore and it's like okay you got a baby so yeah things are different but how can you live the life that you want now within the situation does it mean being confronting the fact like no i do need daycare on one night a week so I can go out with my people and it's holding firm to what you need. So yeah, there's going to be circumstances, be it family or friends, not getting what you're doing or an actual life shift that changes your identity, but it's like holding firm to, but what do I need? Mm-hmm. And making sure that you get it. Cause that's when you start to lose your identity. Cause there are people who are, who don't have the duty identity shift and they already feel so embodied in what they are. And then they, something changes and then they're like, well, I guess I'm supposed to be doing this now, but why? Everyone's circumstances are completely different. I've watched people who had a child and they are like, we're home now. That's it. I have another friend who had a kid turning one day of recording. That kid's been to 30 States already. Is it 30? It's more states than I've probably been to. And she's like, nah, just because this kid's here doesn't mean I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing. It's making choices in your own best interest. And I would say that, I always said that in yoga, actually. It's like when you see someone doing that absolute most, and I'm like, is this working for you? Mm -hmm. Can you 
scale it back and like do what feels good for your body and not what you think I want you to do. Exactly. Exactly. It, it's again, like back to that idea of in this moment, what is best good right for me? And it takes a constant for me anyway, it's a constant practice of rechecking in and retuning to myself. And I think it's easier for some people than others. I grew up like people pleasing constantly. And that was a huge mm. part of my healing too. And I, mm. it's always going to be with me, you know, mm. but, and I think people who are socialized as women mm-hmm. definitely are dealing with that to some extent too. So it's, it's that constant rechecking in. Mm-hmm. And it's so simple. Like you said, it's so fucking simple that it seems like it can't be that simple. Um, but that's yeah. like, that's the embodiment practice. Like, what do you need right now? What would feel mm-hmm. good? Yeah. Like, and truly good. And that's where like the brain activity has to like really start firing off because it's like, is this instant gratification type of makes me feel good or is this going to make me feel good in the long run feel good you gotta check yourself and sometimes you just need that like right now i need this right now and that's dope i love that for you but it's like always 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 what do i need what is best for me now and in the long run always being on your side first in every move that you make and like oh that seems a lot but like but yeah you kind of have to even down to like, I know those Wendy's fries are going to be real good for me right now <laughs> and probably make me feel good in the long run. But like all the time, all the time, would eight hours of Animal Crossing in a row make me feel good in the long run? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But it's making choices that work best for you because sometimes you do need that eight hours on animal crossing so it's always checking in with yourself and that's the practice that we need to start getting into is what is going to be best for me and that's the active thought because the subconscious hopefully is on your side but there's always that thought going on in your head of like well someone else needs this or someone else wants that or they think this or they think that it's like we're gonna like we're working on actively what do I need? So then it does, it becomes passive. And that's the first thing that's happening. And that's the embodiment. It's just, that's the body first, your mind, body, and soul first. What works, what's working for me first, what's best for me first. That's the embodiment because then all choices go from there. Everything you do will be coming from that place. And is that selfish? Good. Better be, be we selfish. Could stand to be, yeah, we could stand to be more selfish. A thousand percent. Because if we're not good, how is anyone else going to be good? Because w- if we get to the point of like rebellion, like I hate it all. I hate me. I hate you. Fuck this shit. Okay. And now everyone's sad. We yeah. got to be good first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we like, we just covered everything. How can it. people work with you? How can people find you? So many ways. So if you happen to live in the New England area, I'm in Providence, Rhode Island. I would love to do a photo shoot with you. I do branding, lifestyle, boudoir. I just like to photograph people being themselves. The best compliment I'll ever receive 
is when someone says either I look like me or I, I feel the essence of that person from that photo. Mm -hmm. Like I know that person, like that's the best thing I've ever heard and I'll ever hear from my photos. So if you want to travel or fly me out, let's take some photos. I would love that but on the virtual side of things. I teach yoga virtually. I would love to just get people feeling comfortable with the practice. It's very interesting how many people are scared of yoga. Something so like you just kind of like yeah. stretching. I would love to work with people who feel like they want to do it, but they feel a little scared. I, I get it. I know it. I do virtual classes. I also do virtual tarot readings and virtual embodiment coaching and pleasure coaching. Tell us about your podcast. My podcast is called Middle Vibes. And the first season was with my friend M. And we talked about, it was basically two middle-aged witches just complaining about the Instagram witch spiritual aesthetic that was going on. Mm -hmm. And the second season is going to be me and my friend. So every episode will be me just having a conversation with a friend, not necessarily like an interview. It's just like, we're just talking because one of the biggest compliments we got for the first season was it just felt like I was hanging out with friends. So I have a mm -hmm. lot of interesting friends. We have a lot of interesting and weird and strange conversations. So I just want to talk with my friends about anything some episodes that'll be coming up in the second season is with my friend Aaliyah who and talking about what it's like to be like a black witch in Rhode Island where it doesn't feel like there's many of us and I want to have a I'm putting it on air this is on the record now my friend Jerrica who is Catholic but like real chill and like what what is it like to be Catholic but People who are Catholic tend to not have the same beliefs as she is because she's very progressive. And it's like, I just want to know what it's like to be her right. in like, it's something that's so important to her. So like, these are the conversations I want to have. So the next season is coming out sometime 2023. So check out my website, BrittanyTaylor.com for everything I'm up to. Cool. Well, I am so lucky that we got to talk. Thank you so much. There are so many nuggets of wisdom in this that people can just like come back to over and over again. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was amazing.